Hello, and welcome to the Sigilant Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm Neil Weichel, the Director of Security Research at Sigilant, joined today with our security researchers, Jake and Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. So today I called you guys in because I wanted to talk about video games and how it relates to the security industry. Um, I know it's a huge industry. we got like over 700 million online gamers, and it's a $86.8 billion industry. So, Mike, take us away. What do you have to say about it? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things to take away when I was researching this topic was how similar it is if we look at the banking industry about a decade and a half ago. It's in a very similar spot um, where the main uh, way people are attacking right now is taking over individual accounts, draining them of their funds, moving on. And it's been a very profitable business um, so far for attackers. Um, Many accounts have uh, items that can be translated into in-game money. and it's very hard for people, uh, prosecutors, to actually catch these people and prosecute them in court uh, because there's really no regulatory uh, body that is um, regulating the industry. In America, at least, there's, there's been motions passed in South Korea that have been making it easier for uh, the government there to prosecute these people um, that violate and user license agreements. Um, so that's been a positive step forward for the industry, but nothing so far in the United States and seeing how it's such a huge industry, uh, it's surprising that nothing's been done yet. And I'm interested to see if anything does happen within the next year or two. Yeah. Yeah. That totally reminds me, you know, you know, EULAs are never really kind of upheld in a really, uh, kind of legislative sense there. And it reminds me of kind of like why they use code obfuscation so predominantly in the gaming industry to kind of make sure that you know people who are really interested in the game play through and making sure they get to see everything for the first time uh, kind of on that bleeding edge content uh, that what they're able to play through takes longer than someone to de-obfuscate that code and be able to understand what all the branches look like, find all the cheat codes and things of that nature. Um, it really kind of reminds me of kind of the regulatory areas around reverse engineering in general and kind of security. So it's a fair point. Jake, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the more interesting things too is a lot of the massive multiplayer online games nowadays have these increasingly complex um, in-game economies where the uh, publisher, such as EA in their uh, Battlefront 2 fiasco, um, they introduced a microtransactions into their game. Um, and while gamers may not be happy about this, this is having that adverse effect of giving their in-game currency real monetary value. And you know, hackers see this and they're definitely taking advantage of it. Um, they're able, in games like World of Warcraft even, to uh, purchase in-game items with uh, bad money, you know, like maybe stolen credit cards. Um, then they resell that same in-game currency or in-game items to get real money for it, um, effectively making a very easy route for criminals to launder their money. And, you know, regular players may not just notice this. Maybe they just want an item and they're willing to put a little bit of money into it. Um, and they're unwittingly funding um, different cyber, cyber criminals in their operations. So, I mean, I think it's a super interesting area where there's just a real lack of regulation around or um, built up around it. Uh, another example, too, is the CSGO skin gambling um, that we're seeing. Um, courts are now increasingly taking more look at this with um, some of the publicity that it's been getting. So, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think taking over accounts is a huge concern for these uh, big companies. Uh, Steam put out, or Valve put out a report recently that said uh, Steam accounts, there are about uh, 77,000 accounts compromised monthly, um, which is obviously a huge number, and the main uh, vector for that is uh, phishing attacks. 
Um, it, it's, it's really interesting when I was reading about it, um, the ways hackers do this uh, kind of creatively, because obviously um, you can get a message on Steam, it may look suspicious, you may not click on it, but a lot of people tie similar handles to their Twitter, you can find their Facebooks from it, or any social media, and they have these similar tags and they're able to target people all that way. Um, and find a lot about them just through their Steam accounts, through their emails, publicly available information. Um, and obviously it's been highly successful, 77,000 accounts a month is a lot. Uh, like Jake was mentioning, um, the value of the items in-game can be easily exported out to real real money. Um, and that's a huge, huge concern for companies like Steam. Like, how do you educate users? Like, there's a huge gap, uh, a wide range of people that play these games. They're young, old, the average gamer is around 35 years old, so they are adults, but at the same time, what are you going to do? Are you going to do some kind of phishing awareness program and trick your users into clicking stuff to educate them? I don't really think anyone wants to experience that while they're just trying to play games. Um, it may adversely affect their business, so uh, you know it's a, it's a risk-reward kind of thing at this point um, for Valve on, on that Steam. So Steam what do you think thing. the next steps for the industry are? Yeah, you know, I think uh, right now the industry is really reactive in regards to security there's like i said not a lot of regulation but just on a company by company basis there's a lot of indie publishers that maybe could use some help in the security field um in terms of having proactive uh awareness and proactive monitoring on their networks um having you baselining user accounts to detect anomalies from you know if you have a gamer like jake who only plays in the u.s and his account gets signed in from China, like being able to uh, alert on that and detect that and lock the account before anything bad happens would have a really, really positive impact on both the companies that have to um, spend a lot of time investigating this stuff and consumers like Jake who wouldn't have, who maybe would have their accounts locked out for a short time, but would still have all their items, not have to have anything reset uh, in like games they put a lot of time into. Yeah, that's a really valid point. <clears throat> Namely because, you know, we can think about that in the same sense of security as an entity for small companies or any, any kind of start size uh, enterprise. Because, you know, similarly, if we now notice somebody trying to log in from a geographic area that maybe that they typically do not do business, we might want to detect that anomaly, kind of react or understand uh, from a proactive sense and a whitelisting sense where we want to actually do business or where we want to allow those activities to happen transactional for maybe uh, where the funds are coming from or where they might get siphoned off of uh, to perform those in-game kind of monetary transactions as well. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with me today over this. Um, thank you very much. Yeah, anytime. It's a pleasure for having us. Thanks, guys.